If you are looking for even more help and guidance on your breakup, I have a few different options for you to take your healing to the next level. I have four different online courses depending on what stage of the breakup that you're in from beginning all the way into moving on after heartbreak, or you can bundle all of my courses together and use the code podcast to get $25 off my course bundle. I also have my 30 day no contact challenge to help hold you accountable in going no contact with your ex. And we have our free Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with other people going through breakups all over the world. To learn more about any of these resources, head to the show notes where you can learn more about my courses, take the quiz to figure out which course is best for you, or join the Facebook group. And don't forget to use the code PODCAST to get $25 off my course bundle. Welcome to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast with your host, Breakup Bestie, aka me, Kendra. Breakups are hard, but you don't have to do it alone. Each week, I will be taking you through a different topic as it relates to breaking up, healing from heartbreak, growing in your single life, dating, and getting back into happier and healthier relationships. The goal of this show is to provide support, hope, tips, and to remind you that above all, this too shall pass. Welcome to episode 39 of the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast, and I have another very exciting guest on the show today. Today, I have Maya Diamond, who is a dating and relationship coach, but today I'm discussing one area of expertise of hers, which is attachment theory and different attachment styles which is something that I've been really interested in since going through my last breakup. I had a really good friend of mine give me the book Attached because I was not only struggling with a breakup, but also struggling with the fact that I kept attracting the same kind of emotionally unavailable person into my life and couldn't quite understand why. And after reading that book, so many things clicked for me as to why I kept finding myself in the same position over and over again. And since I have mentioned that book and attachment styles, both on my Instagram and in previous podcast episodes, I have gotten a lot of questions and I really wanted to bring on an expert who could really get into this subject. So today in the interview, we cover what attachment theory is, how it comes to be in our lives. We go over the different kinds of attachment styles from anxious, avoidant, secure, and we discuss not only how that impacts who we attract into our lives, how it impacts our behavior in relationships, and we specifically touch on how your attachment style can impact your breakup and how to best move through it. So Maya is a wealth of knowledge. We touch on so many amazing things. I personally learned so much from interviewing her and I know you guys will too. And before I get into the episode, I wanted to just give a little warning. Mid-interview, we had some construction noises pop up. So you might hear some noises in the background, but The noises are very few and far between and, of course, does not detract from the amazing information that you will get by listening to this episode. So without further ado, here is Maya Diamond. Okay, well, welcome, Maya, to the Heal Your Heartbreak podcast. I'm so happy to have you on. Mm, Thank you. So wonderful to be here, Kendra. Well, I would love if you could just start by introducing yourself, what you do, what you help people with, and, you know, give us a little bit of background. Awesome. 
So um, I am based in the Bay Area and I've been working with women and men on their love lives for the last 13 years um, and really focusing specifically on deeply healing their attachment systems so that they can find a healthy, loving partnership. And so I do both like the real nitty gritty of, you know, online dating, how to message, all that stuff, but also the deep, deep healing work so that they can really be as healthy as possible and really attract that as well. I love that. I love that. And you know, I spoke to you about this, but the reason I wanted to have you on is I would say this was about five years ago. I had just gotten dumped for the third time by someone, by three different people. And the the reason was always the same, that they couldn't commit to a relationship. They were emotionally unavailable. And it took me until the third time to realize that it was a pattern. And I had a really good friend of mine give me the book Attached, Yep. Which was, you know, my intro into attachment theory. And I got to learn all about my attachment style and the reason why I kept gravitating towards men who were emotionally unavailable, which, you know, we'll talk about a little bit later in the episode. But what led you to focus on attachment theory and and being able to help people with this? Yeah. So my, um, I got my master's in somatic psychology at the California Institute of Integral Studies. And uh, when I was out of grad school and I was coaching and I found, yeah, I found attachment theory actually more. It was so interesting because I did this whole three-year grad program and three years of licensure and all this stuff. But I really kind of found it on my own after grad school and was like, oh my God, this stuff explains everything. And so I think the fact that it explained everything in all my clients' lives, in all my all of my relationship life, I was like, this is it. And so I just started really using it for myself and my clients and then kind of got deeper and deeper. And then the pattern the other thing I really specialize in is healing that pattern of attracting unavailable people and finding a healthy, loving relationship. And exactly, it's so connected to attachment theory because basically most of the people who are attracted to unavailable people, most of them are, are anxiously attached and most of the unavailable people are more avoidantly attached. And so it really talks about that dynamic in such a clear way and, um, and it's just it's just the truth, which I find it the truth, which is, you know, attachment theory is the idea that we are all organized around relating in a particular way. And so then once you see it, you start seeing it everywhere and it explains everything. And it's really a fantastic structure and tool to understand so much about relationship dynamics. Yeah. And, you know, coming from my personal experience with it, it was, it was a relief to realize why it was happening. And I relate it so much. Part of my story is um, I'm in recovery from, from alcoholism. And it was almost that same thing when I finally realized like, oh, I have, I have a disease. I'm not just someone that makes bad choices, that doesn't have a good moral compass. There's a reason that explains this. And it was such a, it was just such a relief for me to find that at, exactly. you know, at that time. And it seems like you were very, at least 
you know, I think attachment styles have gained popularity probably in the last few years. So you were very early in terms of, of, yeah, it was like 10 years ago when I was like, oh my God, I'm going to start using this with all my clients and really, really deepen the work around it. And I agree. Yeah. For myself, um, I, you know, it continues to be a relief in terms of, oh, that's the part of me because I believe we all have these different parts of ourselves. We're not all one thing or one attachment style. You know, oh, that's the part of me that's feeling anxiously attached right now. Or wow, that person really triggered that anxious attachment part of me. And so it allows me to have compassion and also that like awareness, like, okay, that's my little girl who's super anxiously attached and she really wants to do everything she can to make this person love her, right? Yeah, absolutely. And before we dive in, mm-hmm. I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with attachment style, but I'd love if you could just for those who aren't familiar, give, you know, a yeah. brief description on what it what it is and where it comes from. Yes. So, like I said, it's the way that we're organized around relating and it really is based on your attachment style is based on both your biological genes, but also your primary caregiver and the way that they treated you and related to you growing up and also their attachment style and their nervous system, which is kind of imprinted into you. And so um, the attachment theory is based, uh, Bowlby is a psychologist who's no longer with us. And he was one of the first kind of attachment theorists and he really developed it as well as Mary Ainsworth. And so everything's kind of built on that. And um, in terms of the four attachment styles, there's four attachment styles, which is secure, which means there's more than, you feel like there's more than enough love to go around. If an attachment person, if your partner leaves, you feel like, obviously you'll feel sad, but you'll feel like you can find another one. You have healthy communication, healthy boundaries, and you really feel deeply internally that you are good, that you're worthy of love, and that, you know, and therefore if someone doesn't treat you well, you'll leave the relationship. And then um, the next one is anxious, which is um, feeling a little bit preoccupied with the relationships, a little bit obsessed, kind of putting your worth outside of yourself, um, having a hard time speaking your needs, having a hard time having boundaries, and kind of feeling a little bit of a hypo, there's, the nervous system is more hypo aroused. So the, the deal is, is when you were younger, when you were a child, if you more lean towards this anxious attachment style, your parent or primary caregiver, you didn't know when they were going to give you love and affection. And so your nervous system is kind of now on high alert, not knowing when that, that love or affection is going to come and kind of waiting for it a little bit with an anxious energy or definitely an anxious energy. And then the next one is avoidant, which means that you either had engulfment from a parent growing up, meaning your parent or primary caregiver was just too um, enmeshed in your energy system and yourself and you just felt really engulfed like they were really kind of taking over energetically and that you didn't have enough space or you there was a lot of neglect and so in response you have a hard time really maintaining a consistent level of intimacy 
you want to have like intimacy and then a lot of space and then intimacy and a lot of space. So you can tend to push partners away or get overwhelmed by intimacy or, and be very, very self-reliant because there's a sense of, I can't really rely on others. I can only rely on myself. And then the last one is called disorganized. And that's when you're a combination of both anxious and avoidant. And it's when growing up, there was um, real chaos in the family, whether it's abuse between the parents or abuse, um, child abuse on yourself that you experienced, maybe sexual abuse. And so um, your source of love was also a source of panic and fear. Mm, wow. Yeah. Wow. That's really interesting. I'm, I'm not as familiar with, with the disorganized yeah. one, but so where do, if you could give like a general kind of range, what do like, is the majority of people, are the majority of people secure or where, where does the majority of the population lie? I think according to the research, it's around, you know, 65% secure, I believe. And then the rest is a combination of anxious, avoidant, and disorganized. In the people that I work with, it's usually, you know, mostly people who are more anxious, avoidant, and disorganized. So that's the insecure attachment kind of branch. So, um, yeah. So yeah, but I, what I see, I mean, the interesting thing, again, we're, we're a combination of all four. And so, yes, there's probably around 65% of the pop, I would say probably 50 to 65% of the population that is their highest attachment style would be secure, but nobody yeah. is a hundred percent secure. Yeah. And I feel like that makes sense because if you are secure, you're not necessarily spending a lot of time thinking about how you yeah. relate to other people. Exactly. So you wouldn't necessarily seek help for it. And I find no. the same. Yeah. I, I'd say a majority of the people in my community that I hear from about attachment mm -hmm. style tend to fall in the, in the anxious category. Mm -hmm. And that's, mm -hmm. that is absolutely what I have been most of my life, a majority anxious. And I yeah. had wonderful parents, but they both uh, traveled for work very consistently. So I had a lot of nannies and, you know, yeah. other caregivers around that changed pretty frequently. So once I heard that, I was like, okay, this completely that makes, makes sense. sense. Yeah. yeah totally. And, and I think I spent so much of my dating life being completely preoccupied with the relationship and, and would, mm. would honestly feel like physically sick if I wasn't hearing back from someone was yeah. always worried about them walking away. I loved, yeah. I'd never heard it said this way, but that your worth is outside of yourself. Yeah. I related to that so much yeah. that yeah. whatever, whoever was in my life or whatever person I was dating was the one that defined how I your felt worth. and yeah, and defined my worth. Exactly. So yeah. my next question, and this, you know, comes from personal experience, like I said, most of my life I was anxious, but I would mm -hmm. say in my marriage, I feel pretty secure. Like I don't have a lot of those same anxious thoughts. So yeah. can you talk about how that can change throughout our lives or maybe just from relationship to relationship? Exactly. It's very, so this attachment, your attachment style is very dynamic. It's based on your childhood, but also the relationships that you're in exactly and so it, there's a fluidity involved 
So you could, for example, if your last relationship was, um, you know, maybe it was really abusive. And so then maybe now you're more a little bit more on the avoidant side because you're afraid of intimacy. You're afraid someone's going to hurt you again, something like that. Or maybe, um, you know, maybe you were, are more anxious and then you partner with someone who's more secure. And then in the relationship, you feel really calm and relaxed and you feel like I can depend on this person. This person has my back. And so then your attachment style becomes more secure. Then if you're really secure and you're with someone who's super avoidant, and I've seen this happen with my clients. Yeah, this, this is actually, I've seen this once with a very secure client who became very anxious because he was dating someone more on the avoidant side. Um, but anyways, then exactly. So then you're really secure and then you become really anxious. So it can really change based on who you're with and what relationship you've just come out of. Okay. And so that's why it's so important to A, do the healing work that's needed. For example, if you've gotten out of a relationship with a narcissist and you may A, not trust yourself in terms of your choices you may be not trust that there's healthy partners out there for you and, you know, see just not trust. Yeah. You're like deep, deep instincts and knowing because, wow, you made this choice that really didn't work out. So, you know, doing the healing work on whatever happened in that last relationship is so, so important for creating a new relationship. And that's what happened with me. I was in a narcissistic relationship from 18 to 21. And what happened afterwards, because I didn't do the healing work right after it took me a few years to even come to terms with the whole thing. But yeah, that relationship really, like I wouldn't say ruined, but really hurt my self-esteem and my self-worth. And I ended up becoming even more anxious because I was searching for someone that was going to cure that for me instead of finding it for myself. And that's when I got into that whole pattern of going after people that were emotionally unavailable. Yes, exactly. A lot of times the unavailability pattern can happen because we've been so hurt by our last partner. And so we want a relationship, but, but the level of intimacy if we're really with someone available, then we're going to have such a deeper level of intimacy. And so there's a part of us that really is afraid of that. And so it's almost safer to be with someone unavailable, even though it's excruciatingly painful as well. So yeah, I played that out for a long, long time after I got out of a relationship when I was 25. At the end of the relationship, he cheated on me after six years of being together. And so it was such a painful betrayal that it really kind of pushed me into that pattern or it really, yeah, just caused that pattern for me. And then, uh, combined with, yeah, my childhood relationships with, especially with my father. Yeah. 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 And so I'm, so you mentioned that we can switch into different attachment styles depending on who we're with. But if someone is single and maybe they're anxious or they're avoidant, are there things that we can do on our own to help move us towards having a bit of a more secure secure attachment style? Yes. And that's what I really specialize in. So, um, so yeah, I would say that's really key for anyone who's listening. If you feel like you're 
you know, more anxious or more avoidant or more disorganized that, you know, it's really an opportunity to heal that in yourself. And what happens when you do is it positively affects all of your relationships, your relationship with your kid, your relationships at work, your relation, your romantic relationships, your relationship with your family. And because, you know, becoming more internally secure, more confident, more feeling more deeply worthy is just going to be so powerful for you. And so, um, yeah, and then it's cool because then the person that you now, this new you that you bring into the relationship with this new partner is going to be, it just makes the relationship so much easier because we've all seen, you know, or I know I've experienced from, you know, when I was younger and more anxious, um, doing things that were just not helpful to the relationship we call, you know, an attachment theory, we call it, um, I'm forgetting the word right now, but I, I like to call it acting out, right? So you're kind of acting out the anxiety by doing, you know, maybe calling multiple times or texting incessantly or, you know, whatever it is, it's not going to be helpful for a relationship. And so there's all these behaviors. There's the actual deep internal security, but there's the actual secure behaviors. And so when you act secure, it's much easier to have a healthy partnership, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think I remember reading in one of the books that that's a pretty telltale sign of someone with an anxious attachment style is they'll, they'll test their partner to make sure that they're not going to run away. So you'll, you know, you'll put these little tests on them and say, well, if they pass this test, that means that they're really in a relationship. Then I can trust them. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and I'd love to, to hear a little bit more about, um, you mentioned it in the beginning, but there's this phenomenon about anxious people tend to be, which I feel like is like some, you know, the universe is like sick, sick joke on us. Yeah. But anxious people tend to be attracted to (laughs) avoidant people, which is not helpful for either side. Yeah. I think the best way to explain it is that being with an avoid, if you're an anxious being with an avoidant, Um, is a perfect match for your deep internal beliefs about yourself. So the anxious is deep internal belief is, you know, I'm not enough. I'm not lovable. There's something wrong with me. Someone's going to leave me. (laughs) I'm not special enough to be chosen. And then the avoidant is going to treat you in all those ways that it's going to mirror to you those beliefs. And so it's a perfect like keyhole into each other. And so it feels very um, congruent to your belief system. And then for the avoidant in reverse, the avoidant believes I can't have my, you know, my sense of self and be in relationship. I can't have my freedom. Um, I'm going to be overwhelmed in relationship. Um, If I'm in a relationship, then I'm not going to be able to have my own life. Um, Yeah. And so then when they're with the anxious, they feel overwhelmed. They feel, you know, the anxious wants too much of their attention. Um, You know, they feel like they have, they have too much expectations on them. And so again, it just kind of fits in like a little keyhole key to a hole. But then the truth is, is that's not actually the truth, right? The truth is, an avoidant can have a relationship and, you know, can have their sense of self and anxious 
can, is lovable and, uh, you know, isn't too much or is not enough, you know? So it's all, those are all, I would say false beliefs. It, those internal beliefs are all false, but our psyches are so powerful in creating our, our experience. And so it just magnetically, it's like this magnet attraction. And then, and then I think, you know, yeah, there's something that gets, yeah, the magnets attract and then it creates that dynamic, the ups and the downs, which is very dramatic, which is, you know, very passionate, which is, I think I would say Hollywood has also kind of reified the belief that we need to be in these passionate, you know, relationships. And so it seems like, oh, this is what love is. When guess what? That's not really, in my opinion, healthy love. That's more a toxic form of love, and um, it's and it creates codependency. Yeah, I wanted to touch on a couple of things you just said. The what you were saying, like we tend to attract things that confirm the narrative that we have of ourselves, and I experienced that in the narcissistic relationship, I was like all the things he was telling me on the outside about, you know, you're not good enough, all the the name calling, all that stuff completely matched what I told myself in my own mind. So it was, even though it was clearly very painful, it it was almost comfortable because it was just a mirror. And I think you talked about this before on the last question, but you were saying and I I learned this through sobriety, is sometimes we have to act our way into better thinking. So sometimes we can't necessarily change our thoughts, but if we start practicing contrary action and and doing things like, you know, when you're dating and someone does something to you that's not right, and you say like, even though my thought's telling me that I still want to be with this person, I know it's wrong, so I'm going to step away. Like all of those things probably help with with those thoughts if, if I'm saying that right yes yeah I love that it's like when you act in a secure way then you kind of start yeah going through the motions which allows it to start kind of becoming more in alignment and then the more you do that as well as doing the deep inner work the more it gets integrated but just the act of exactly like cutting someone off even you may you know your deep internal knowing I would say that's something that I'm just so passionate about, which is your, and I think I really, that's kind of what I really, the people that I work with the most are the people that have a deep intuition, which is usually, you know, a lot of the women I work with, they're just so intuitive in their bodies. I think women just have this natural intuition in their bodies, right? And so when we really, but, but growing up, a lot of times we've been taught not to listen to that small little voice of wisdom and maybe your parents denied it. Maybe school denied it. Maybe a culture denied it or doubted it. And, but when we tune back into our internal wisdom, right, our little girl may say, oh, this is so like attractive because he's unavailable or the anxious part of you, but your intuition might say, actually, like this really feels like shit. This feels awful. I don't feel good in this relationship. Maybe this guy, you know, does want to marry me and have my children, but I feel like shit. 
okay, listen to your body. Listen to your body's intuitive knowing because our bodies are amazing, um, you know, amazing messengers for our lives. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I, I love that because I, there have been so many times in my life where I have felt that and it manif- like I've had many phases of my life where I have crazy stomach problems and it's because I was in a situation yes. that was so stressful and I kept myself in it because I wasn't listening to that. And so my body's like, okay, like we can't hold all this stress. Yeah. We're going to turn it up until yeah. you really listen. And, um, and yeah, and just being able to t- pay attention to those you know, I'm, what's the phrase? It's like, you know, pay attention to the road signs because before they become billboards kind of a thing, like, <laughs> like pay attention to those little signs. Cause I feel like if we're in something that's not right, we'll know it. It's just going to be a matter of if we're going to pay attention to that and take action based on yeah. that and be courageous around that. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. But, but those exactly. And there, our body is just going to keep getting louder and until we really pay attention and our heart and our soul is going to, you know, have the, the negative effects of all of that because we're just all so connected. So we're, we're super connected. And so even if, you know, there's a part of you that like for the women who are listening, who are, you know, maybe dating someone unavailable, you know, there's, there might be a wise voice inside that's like, this guy is really not good for me. I really should get out of it, but maybe, and maybe that's in your gut. Maybe that's in your head, wherever it is, it's somewhere, but also maybe there's the sexual part of you, the part of you that gets really turned on by this unavailable person. And that's the part of you that is actually wanting to heal. So the part of you that's attracted to this unavailable person is wanting to heal that deep, you know, anxious part of you. And so by going into it's by going into this relationship, you're just repeating the trauma that you experienced, trying to heal it through the relationship. But guess what? It's better to heal it with a coach or, you know, someone who really knows what they're doing so that they can guide you toward healing as well as creating new patterns. That's the key. Because our, 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 I think it's so interesting how our, our, you know, romantic attractions are so based on what we need to heal until we heal it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What would you do if you had unlimited time and energy? As you're navigating your breakup, I know your energy can feel low and it can feel really difficult to complete everything you need to in a day. When you're emotionally exhausted, it's especially important to be really clear on what your priorities are and where your energy should be invested. Therapy has helped me in the past figuring out where I should be putting my energy, whether that's career, friendships, relationships, events, which in turn has helped lower my anxiety because I don't always have to feel stretched thin or behind. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash heartbreak today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash heartbreak. Are you looking for a guilt-free way to unwind? 
Between balancing your breakup, work, and just functioning in your day-to-day life, I know you are under a lot of stress. Breakups mess with your nervous system, cause obsessive thoughts, and make it so hard to just sit with yourself. This is why it's so important to have rituals that allow you to treat yourself in a healthy way. And this is why I love Recess Mood, a sparkling water infused with functional ingredients like stress-balancing adaptogens and mood-lifting magnesium. Life has been very full and stressful for me lately, and as someone who hasn't had alcohol in a 11 years, I need something that helps me relax and that can bring me a moment of peace. Lately, my favorite way to do that is sitting on the couch after I put my kids to bed and having either the strawberry rose or the lime recess mood. They not only make me feel good, but they also taste incredible too. So whether you're looking for a healthier alternative to alcohol or a way to make you feel more balanced, you deserve a healthier way to unwind. Head to takearecess.com slash heartbreak and get 15% off recess mood, your go-to alcohol replacement. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish, right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba da ba ba ba. Yeah, and it'll keep popping up until we actually learn the lesson. You know, we can't just like forget about a lesson and then move on and it goes away. We have to be able to learn it. And I loved what you said about the the idea that toxic love and and most people don't even notice that it's toxic love but just like this sweep you off your feet like want like say i love you in the first couple weeks and all these grand gestures and i'm i'm curious if it i don't know if there's research on it or it's just something that you've seen do you feel like people who have anxious attachment styles are more likely to fall into like toxic narcissistic relationships because the beginning of toxic relationships typically are amazing. Like the first <laughs> six months you're like, oh my gosh, how did I meet someone this good? He does all of these things for me. And then all of a sudden this switch flips and it's completely different. Totally. Yeah. hundred percent. I think it's, it's very much a definitely empaths um, attract narcissists. And I would say definitely anxious attachers attract narcissists because exactly they want to feel love. They want to feel, you know, chosen. They want to feel special. And narcissists are so good at love bombing in the beginning. And so then, and then when it switched, anxious attachers are so good at continuing to hold on for dear life and not let go, which narcissist love and so again it's a perfect combination that is incredibly unhealthy and hurtful you know it's just so painful to be in and can be very abusive there's the abusive cycle it might not be um physically but emotionally it could be it could be both physically abusive but also emotionally abusive of the the loving, the I'm here for you, this is going to work. And then the putting away, the criticizing, the gaslighting. So that can be a cycle that goes over and over again. Yeah, that's so, it's so interesting. And I'm sure a lot of people listening to this are having all those dots connected, like, oh, this makes sense. Oh, I want, this is why I did that. Yeah. And I, my next question is, 
I want people to make sure that they know that just because you have an anxious attachment style mm-hmm. or an avoidant attachment style, doesn't mean you're doomed to never no, find someone or that. at all. So can you kind of speak to that on like maybe how someone who's anxious, like maybe without even switching into secure, how they can find like a comfortable relationship for them? Exactly. Yeah. I would say, um, it's a hundred percent possible for anyone to have a healthy relationship, no matter what your attachment style. I see that all the time. And I think it's just about, you know, really finding someone who is, available and loving and consistent and reliable. And so that might be someone who's a little bit more anxious or, you know, maybe, you know, or someone who's a little bit more secure or, you know, maybe it's someone, maybe your best match is someone who's a little bit more avoidant. So I would say that the key piece, I mean, mostly for anxious, that's not going to be the case. Um, But the key piece is that you're with someone, I would say the key piece is the available, consistent, reliable, and loving, um, and empathic, right? And so I just want to really hone in on this right now, okay? So empathy is the ability to feel someone to be with, right? So that you can really be with the person. You feel them, you see them, you hear them, you're joining with them. You feel their experience with them, right? So an empaths have like this crazy amount of ability to do that. They have all these mirror neurons. And so it's just like so easy. I'm an empath. So it's so easy for us to do that, right? Because we just, it just happens naturally. So a narcissism, narcissist means there's like zero, there's no empathy for the other or like very, very little empathy for the other. And so I would say that's something that you really want to pay attention to is does this person have empathy for you as well as other people in their lives, the waiter? And do they have empathy for the waiter? Do they have empathy for you know, the cashier, do they have empathy for their mom? Do they have empathy for their dad? All of these things are so important because when you're in a relationship with someone who has empathy for you, then they're going to be emotionally responsive. I did a whole TEDx talk, which I highly recommend everyone listen to around emotional responsiveness, because this is the key one of the keys of being a secure partner is being able to be emotionally responsive. Okay. So that's something that people should be looking out for in terms of, of a partner. Yes. Empathy and and emotional responsiveness. Those are so, so big. So, so big. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. I mean, that's so great to know because, you know, looking and obviously hindsight's 2020, but I'm sure if I had more of an awareness with certain relationships. And I always tell people like this podcast is all about just new perspectives, awareness. So having that awareness, you can kind of point things out as they're happening before maybe you get into like a super invested relationship where you don't feel like there's a way out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So my next question is, and I guess this one's a little selfish just because I'm, you know, anxiously attached as well. It's just a high anxiety person. But for those that are, tend to be more anxious, what are some ways that they can help 
almost self-soothe mm-hmm. in a relationship rather yeah. than relying on someone else to provide that security for to them. To give to the co-regulation, exactly. So just so, so psychological terms, self-regulation is being able to regulate your own nervous system and co-regulation is the ability to help your partner regulate their nervous system. And so anxious attachers are really good at co-regulation. We love to soothe someone else as well as be soothed by someone else, but it's harder for us to self-regulate. And so the key piece around that, I would say, is I think number one tip that I have is right now that's coming to mind right now is meditation because then you are learning to be with your own thoughts, feelings, and sensations and be aware of them and also just be quiet in your own nervous system and accept it all. And so the more that you're with all of those feelings and sensations and you can just be with them, the more you can relax into them. So that would be something really powerful to do on your own in terms of working with someone like me, I would say doing the deep. So what I do with my clients is we do deep healing work on the trauma, which then allows, then when you get triggered again, the trigger's less intense. And so therefore it's easier to self-soothe. So that really helps. And then I would say, um, oh, I would say something else that I really teach my clients to do. So I'll just do a broad stroke around it that I think is really not talked about enough, which is pleasure. So pleasure is this amazing pathway. I'm also a recently trained erotic blueprint, certified erotic blueprint coach. So I'm also now I do dating and relationship coaching and sexuality coaching. And pleasure is this pathway to um, nervous system regulation. Because guess what happens when you feel pleasure? You get a cascade of oxytocin, those warm, snuggly feelings, loving feelings. So one thing that's really powerful is to do anything on your own that gets you into pleasure, whether it's self-pleasure, whether it's dancing, whether it's taking a walk in nature, anything that brings you pleasure is going to be really good for regulating your nervous system. And that's, I think, something that in our society especially women have been taught, you know, that goes along with a guy Mm. or if I'm in a relationship, I remember like, I used to think like, oh, well, when I'm in a relationship, you know, I shouldn't do, I shouldn't really self pleasure because I have a partner. Right. But actually self pleasuring is an amazing tool when you're in a relationship as well to continue to feed yourself in that way, to continue to love yourself in that way. And to continue to cultivate that relationship with your own body. So wanted to share one thing that's worked for me with, you know, with my anxiety is either journaling or sharing with someone the, the yeah. thoughts that I have because it yeah. allows me to to look at the facts instead of just what's going on in my head. Totally. So if I can share that with someone else, even just have like hearing it come out of my mouth, I'm like, oh, that's that's not real. That's not yes. true. Or if I journal it and reread it, I'm like, okay, this isn't actually true. So being able to totally. like get those thoughts out of my head takes a lot of the power out of that. Yeah. Journaling is so powerful for just processing the information or getting the thoughts out as well as, yeah, talking to a friend 
or a loved one really can help so much with you know regulating your nervous system. And then the question I wanted to end on, since this is a breakup podcast, yes. what are some additional maybe challenges and then also maybe some tools for the different attachment styles after going through a breakup? So you mentioned like anxious people tend to have a harder time with the breakup because they're losing this huge connection to their self-worth and, and things yeah. like that. Okay. The challenges and then some tools for breakups. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, we'll start with the anxious. So, um, so yeah, that's going to be, it's going to be, yeah, it can be so, so hard because there's such a strong attachment. Yeah. You just feel maybe so in love with this person still, maybe, you know, they're not right for you, but you still have a lot of attachment to them. And one thing to know is it's usually your little girl who's really attached to that person, right? It's more your adult self might be really know that this person isn't right for you, but your little girl inside might be very, very attached. And so, and if you know, you may have a hard time getting over people and that's something that's been a pattern for you. And so um, the challenge will be to let the person go. <laughs> to not keep thinking about them, to not keep obsessing about them, to not think about what they're doing, to not get super jealous, to not, you know, um, stalk them on Facebook, social media. Those are all the challenges. And I would say definitely getting support, you know, a coach, Kendra or me or someone else, getting support or a therapist is really, really, really key. And then, um, it's so powerful. I, the other thing that I believe about breakups is that there are these amazing opportunities because you get so clear on what you really need. And then, so it just is such a ripe time. So getting support is so powerful to support you in that ripe opportunity time. Crisis is also an opportunity. And then, um, yeah, so support number one tool. Number two, I would start doing a self-care practice immediately meditation in the morning, affirmations, really bolstering your self-care practice, getting exercise, hanging out with friends, um, and getting support. That's it. Okay. Next one, avoidant. Um, this is really interesting. Avoidance can feel so much pain and longing in the breakup. Maybe during the relationship, they were feeling a lot of ambivalence. But as soon as the person leaves, they feel all of the deep sense of love and attachment that they didn't feel while the person was there. And it's because that person has, now that person, there's a lot of space. And so they have the space, so that allows them to feel the feelings. And so that's why it's so common for avoidance to get back together with their exes. And then it's also so common for avoidance to get back together and then to break up again, because again, they feel that ambivalence again, and then they break up again. So for avoidance, I would say definitely um, getting support is also key um, to help you unpack, do you really want to be back with this person? Or, you know, is it that you're, you know, or did you have a fundamental truth about this person that they weren't right for you? And so you want to stick with that and know that you can find someone who does have something that you need that they didn't have. 
or, you know, I would say, again, getting support with really healing the part of you that might have pushed this person away while you were in the relationship, or a lot of times avoidance have a hard time really, again, feeling the love and falling in love while they're in the relationship. So I would say doing the work around that so that you can really open your heart in the next relationship would be key. And the, um, yeah, a tool would be to, yeah, I mean, we could say journal around getting clarity. So, cause a lot of times what I see with avoidance is they'll just want to act out that feeling of longing. Like I know this person's the right person for me, but I would say really getting clarity before you're drawing, you know, drawing that person back in to really make sure they really are the right person for you because it's so painful if you again, push them out again. Yeah. And I think too, I tell people before making a decision to get back together with an ex is like, what frame of mind are you making that decision from? Are yeah. you making it out of, out of loneliness? Are you making it because yes. you're uncomfortable? Are you making it because you really do love them and you do really want to be with them? But I think so often when someone makes the decision to get back together with an ex, it's because they're lonely and uncomfortable without them, which isn't a reason exactly. to be with someone. Yeah. Really get support around exactly like feeling good and then deciding. Totally. That's a great point. For the disorganized, um, I would say, I mean, the combination of what I just said. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that would be perfect, really. Yeah. Yeah. And then with, with secures, it's, you know, probably all the same tools that we talk about with going through a breakup. It just might, it might like mean less. I mean, not that it won't hurt as much, but like it might mean less. It doesn't necessarily mean if a breakup happens that like you're not good enough or you're never going to find someone like the fears and the kind of permanence yeah. of it doesn't feel as like permanent, you know? And, and that's what I tell yeah. people now is like the position I'm in in my marriage now, like obviously I love my husband and like want our relationship to, to be around forever. But I do know yeah. that like, if something were to happen, like I would be okay. Yeah. Like I wouldn't completely exactly. lose myself. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And exactly. And I would say for secures, it's a real opportunity, you know, things usually do come up because I do work with a lot of secures as well. And things usually do come up from a breakup and it's an amazing opportunity to work on that stuff that has come up as well as to find yourself because a lot of secures maybe are getting out of a 20 year relationship or a 15 year relationship and really coming back to yourself. What do I like? What's important to me? What do I need in my next partner? It's such a ripe opportunity for that. And that's something that I, yeah, work with a lot of my clients around. Yeah. I use the same language, slightly different, but pretty much the same language about breakups. They are, they're this amazing, we get so few opportunities in life where we are so willing to, to do whatever we can to feel better. Um, yeah, and so. so I know that like most of my growing has taken place after breakups because I'm like, yes give me books, give me journaling assignments. Yes. Like I need therapy, you know? So exactly. I, and it's like, I heal the relationship. Yeah. I heal the breakup, but in the, like, I also am able to heal stuff from childhood and like work on some of my, you know, character defects that I, that have been coming up in just exactly. like everyday life. So I agree. I think it's just such an amazing opportunity as has, you know, learning more about attachment style has been this awesome yeah. opportunity for me to have 
more self-awareness and then also figure out like how I can, you know, take care of myself while still, you know, having these really deep relationships. Yes, exactly. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much. I'd love if you could share how um, people could find you. I know you have a podcast, so if you could give your info and then I will be putting it all in the show notes and I'll also link your, your TEDx talk that you mentioned. Oh, cool. Awesome. So yeah, so I have a four-month program um, to really deeply heal your attachment style, unravel if you have the pattern of attracting unavailable men, really heal that pattern and find a healthy, loving relationship. And so if you're interested, you can go to Empower Love. If you want to apply for a love breakthrough session um, to see if you're a good fit for the program, you can go to empowerlove.us forward slash apply. And, um, if you, and that's, I have a program for men and a program for women. So we would love to have you in the program. It's so, so powerful, totally life-changing. We have so many amazing testimonials. If you want to go to our testimonial page, you can go to empowerlove.us forward slash testimonials. If you want to hear real life stories of all these people who've really shifted their patterns in love, it's so inspiring. And then also, um, if you want to go to my podcast called Rewire Your Attachment Style, uh, yeah, it's just called Rewire Your Attachment Style. It's on all anywhere where you can find podcasts, iTunes, all, Spotify, all these places. And also, I have a free Facebook group called Rewire Your Attachment Style for Lasting Love. If you go to Facebook, you can just search for that. And on there, I do lots of lives and interviews and um, offer some free coaching. And so we would love to have you in the group. Amazing. Amazing. Well, again, I will have all of that info in the show notes. And Maya, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of your wisdom. I know you're going to help a lot of people who are listening to this. So thank you so much. You're welcome. So wonderful to be here. I hope you enjoyed today's show. If you loved it, I hope you'll leave a review and share with your friends. If you're not already following me on Instagram, head to at your breakup bestie where I'm sharing new content almost every day. To join our Facebook group, Healing Hearts Club, where you can connect with thousands of people from all over the world going through breakups, head to the link in the show notes. And don't forget to check out my online courses for more in-depth help through your healing journey. I always end these episodes the same way, reminding you to be nice to yourself, stay connected with loved ones, and the biggest reminder is that this too shall pass. I promise. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.